1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know. Ding, 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 ding.
2: I just did my little best man move. Yeah. Getting the papers all in order. Yeah. Reading the prompter. Why oh, wouldn't that be great?
1: I don't feel so funny these days, man.
2: Well, we need to get the teleprompter writer to juice up your, your jokes. I agree. Everyone knows that, right? We don't actually make any of this stuff up. We had somebody write the show and we read it This is verbatim. a very,
1: very um, well-rehearsed, <laughs> practiced, labored podcast. That's right. How's it going, buddy? Good? Yeah, it's good. I think this is the second of two good topics today. Yeah.
2: Part one, asexuality. Uh Uh-huh. Part two, banning books. Yeah. What do they have to do with each other? Nothing.
1: I thought I saw a common thread, and now that I've looked, I've forgotten it, but... Oh, yeah? There is something. Discrimination, maybe. I guess so. Maybe. We'll find out. It'll pop up possibly. It'll be like uh, the Pee-wee secret word of the day. Oh, yeah. Isn't that what it was called? I think so. Man, that guy was cool. So you got an intro proper for this or? Chuck. Yes. Are you familiar with the last week of September? I am. You are? Yeah. You've been through it before? Yeah. It's after the third week Mm -hmm. and before the first week of uh, October. That's exactly right. Yes. It just so happens that that very week is banned book week. Did not know that existed. Well, it does. Till today. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I, you haven't too. heard of banned Book Week before? Uh, no. I have. I've seen like the subversive um, displays outside of B. Dalton booksellers. And, right. You know, and basically the whole point of it is, is like, hey, people have tried to ban these books, so make sure you read these because it means that there's somebody out there who doesn't want you to.
2: That's right. Hey, look what I've got. I've got To Kill a Mockingbird over here. Yeah, that's a Tempted.
1: big one. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. So the whole point of banned books week is to celebrate intellectual freedom. That's right. Because there are people out there who would take that away from you if they could. Yeah. We know it. You go back and listen to some of our podcasts. There's certain words that were beeped out because the man has this under his thumb. Dang <laughs> Skippy. Yeah. Um so I would strongly recommend it's coming up. Uh, by the time this thing gets released, we'll be in September. That's right. We should probably post something about Banned Book Week when it comes, okay?
2: Yeah, September thirtieth through October sixth, actually. Um so it's really the first week in October this year.
1: Oh. That's weird that they would put it the last week of October. (laughs) Yeah, the first week of October, yeah. Or last week of September. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was confusing for a second. Let's let's talk banned books, man.
2: More than eleven thousand books have been challenged since nineteen eighty two, Josh.
1: That's just since eighty two. They've been I, I was reading about the catcher in the rye. Um it came out in, wow, man, I wish I knew. It came out in the either the late 50s or the early 60s, the late 50s or 1960, okay. because in 1960, a teacher who assigned it to his class for reading got fired. Was, really? Yeah.
2: Um, it's one of my favorite books. Is it? Yeah, and it's one that I've reread several times over the years, and it always takes on a little different meaning depending on my age, which All is bad. interesting, yeah.
1: Have you read The Catcher's Companion?
2: No, that's we got that as a gift, right? Uh-huh. No, I haven't read it yet. It's
1: pretty neat. It's just like footnotes and extrapolations right. and explanations. Like this guy went into Catcher the World of Catcher in the Rye and like made footnotes of the whole thing. I definitely it's need actually to check that thicker out. than the Catcher in the Rye.
2: 1951,
1: by the way. Okay, so 51 yeah. within nine years, somebody lost their job because they assigned that book to read. Wow, that's pretty common. Usually with um, book banning, it comes out of um, the public school system. Um. Yeah, and libraries. less so
2: libraries, though, right?
1: Well, that's it's usually school libraries. No, less so public libraries. Public libraries, yeah. right? So, th- if you go on uh, the internet and you look for banned books, you're going to find a lot of um. Uh, confusion. There's this body mm. called the American Library Association. Yeah. And a lot of people think that they're in charge of banning books. That's absolutely the opposite of the truth. The American Library Association is a it's it's basically the librarians lobby. Yeah. And they're committed to no censorship whatsoever.
2: Yeah, ask any librarian and they're they're going to probably be in favor of not banning books.
1: Right. Um as a matter of fact, the ALA maintains a Library Bill of Rights, and in this Library Bill of Rights is a provision for the free access to libraries for minors, which basically says this. We have a bunch of books that we're not going to make any judgments on. If right. We have a book that you don't want your kid to read. It's your job as their parent to monitor what they read, and you can decide what they read or not. Right. But you, that's it. Right. Your opinion doesn't extend to anyone else's kids. So that means that if you want to ban a book, we're going to tell you no because you're responsible for your child but not everybody else's child, too, which means, in short, that the ALA doesn't censor books. Right. This is a big deal because this happens a lot. There's uh, 11,000 challenges, you said, since 1982? Since 1982,
2: and I think there were, uh, in 2011, there were 326 challenges last year. Um, A few of these are uh, the Color of Earth series. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. by Kim Dong-Hua and the Reasons Why, Nudity, Sex Education, mm-hmm. uh, The Hunger Games Trilogy, yeah. uh, My Mom's Having a Baby, A Kid's Month-by-Month Guide to Pregnancy, but we certainly don't want our kids to learn anything about that.
1: No, especially <laughs> not with um, mom.
2: Uh, Brave New World by uh, Huxley, Insensitivity, Nudity, Racism, Yeah, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, like we mentioned, Harper Lee's Classic because of offensive language and racism. Mm-hmm. And those are just a few of the nine, I'm sorry, ten most challenged books of last year.
1: Right. Um, you'll also find in just about every list the most challenged series since 2000 is the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Um, they That's received 3,000 challenges, um, and that was from up to, I believe, like 2008 or nine. Maybe two, no of 2010 they were the, from 2000 to 2010. Yeah, they received 3,000 challenges, and and it was because it had sat- satanic overtones or undertones, one well, of the two.
2: That's how or tones. People challenging it felt at least.
1: So for the most part, when you see a book being challenged or banned, it's because people are concerned about its influence on children. But as yeah. we've seen, the American Library Association says, "Hey man, kids, kids, there's free. There should be free access to information for kids."
2: Yeah, Judy Bloom's Forever is one that's always on the list, too, for that reason, because it deals with a a young girl's burgeoning sexuality and the confusion and the awkwardness and the thrill that comes along with that. And that one is, what? That was a great description. Was it? (laughs) Yeah, from a
1: 41-year-old man with a beard.
2: Well, dude, I was 14 once. Uh, Girls and boys are all like, you know, we're all scared and awkward and
1: thrilled. (laughs) So how do you how do you do this man? How do you how do you issue a formal challenge to a book? And what does that consist of? What does it mean?
2: It it means that you have gone to a library, a single library, yeah, and said I want to challenge this book and the librarian decides whether or not to ban it.
1: So it's as simple as that. That's yeah. how book banning works. Um and I, you don't even have to use such lofty language like i want to issue a challenge you can just say like this book needs to be taken out of this library right. this book is filth um this book is per- per- pervasively vulgar that's a big one yeah. um and the librarian at that moment decides whether a book gets banned or not and for the most part they they err on the side of not banning them but when they say okay let's take that book out That book has just been banned. So it doesn't mean that a ban, that a book has been banned. It doesn't mean it's been banned across a country. Although some, some countries have like banned books in its entirety, like the country's entirety. But in the U.S. and in the modern world, it usually means that somewhere in the United States, there's a group of people, whether it's kids in a school district or kids, people who are served by a public library who don't have access to a certain book because one person found it offensive and convinced the librarian to to make the decision for everybody else based on that person's objections that's a banned book yeah
2: person or persons a lot of times it's a group will yeah. get together with like a list even and they'll rally the troops and say you know come on out from your your homes and let's get together and yeah. submit a list and the librarians like you said most times will say no because they generally have the courts on their side if it gets to that point yeah for the most part, the courts like to defend the right, you know, the first amendment.
1: Yep. But I mean, think about that pressure, especially if like you are a school librarian and the school board is telling you like, Hey, don't forget, we employ you and we're telling you, Sure. Remove this book. And the librarian's like, no. T.S. That's, that's against the first amendment. Yeah. Um, so. Should we
2: talk about some of the laws?
1: I think we should. Let's talk about, do you want to talk about the history of it?
2: Yeah, um, who wrote this one? I think this was Conger too.
1: No, I don't think so. Oh, no? Yeah, it was a freelancer. Oh, really. Okay.
2: Um, you know, basically since the days of Socrates, they've been trying to ban teachings of some sort or the other. Um, he was heavily scrutinized and back then, if you wanted to ban yeah. something, you just burned the few copies of it that existed. Right. And it uh, was no problem.
1: He was made to drink hemlock for what he, for oh, what he sure. taught. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if, like, if there's two copies of a book in existence and you get both copies and you set them on fire, done. problem solved. Consider it banned. And then what happened? What came along? Well, the printing press.
2: And all of a sudden, you had to officially try and ban a book because there were too many to gather up and burn.
1: And you remember the Star Chamber starring Michael Douglas? <laughs> did you ever watch that? No. Okay. They were... The real Star Chamber, did you... Did you, There was a real... Yeah. Okay. So the real Star Chamber um, that was, I think, created in Stewart, England... Um, Stuart-era England. Oh, man, I probably shouldn't even say that because I'm not sure. Oh, really? In England in the 17th century, there was a group of judges that were in charge of, like, they were, like, the elite judges. They they were the censor board, basically, uh, was one of their roles. And then Henry VIII came along and got rid of them. Right. But he started his own kind of censorship with licensing laws that basically said that the state, had the um, opportunity to censor things before they were even published. So that was one of the earliest forms of straight-up book banning or book censorship. Good point. It happened a long time ago. Yeah. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
2: Sure. 1982 Board of Education, Island Trees School District, V Pico. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Um they said basically that you couldn't remove library material just because like a school official doesn't agree with the ideas.
1: They said that the books on the on their list were quote just plain filthy. So oh, they wanted them removed. Sense? Yeah. Some people said, "Now you you we're going to sue you for that."
2: Well, the Supreme Court said so um basically it has to be pervasively vulgar, I guess is why they use those words. Because yeah. that's what, l- they can actually ban a book if, who finds it that?
1: Like, um, is I, think, there a- I think society, basically. Oh, sure. that's easy to figure for, out. Well, for, for the most part, <laughs> um, as, as far as books go, for banning a book, uh-huh. is really tough to do. As uh, Once it reaches the Supreme Court, they're going to be like, no, it's a book, put it back it's obscenity that's not protected at right, all right right
2: well because the the kicker there is the the number 3 rule that they decided you know should be used to to determine if something is i guess filthy was it could contain no literary artistic political or scientific value and that's the one where you know you can pretty much say claim any book has value like yeah. that
1: that's how we have hardcore pornography still i'm right. sorry so you can say this is art <laughs> that's true um so that that case that 1982 um island trees case or pico case i don't know what they call it that was a really big deal because it took oh, yeah. place in a school library and um it basically the supreme court said school libraries are special places schools are places of inquiry yeah and so they their repository of knowledge Meaning their library right. has special protection. Like we understand that you're worried about the children's minds being corrupted, but you don't get to decide that. Like this is information that's out there and as long as it's basically not like hardcore pornography, child pornography, right. obscenity, like it should it has every right to be in there under the first First Amendment.
2: Amen. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh so was nineteen eighty eight. I remember this one because I was on a newspaper staff at the time. Oh yeah. And I got interviewed for the news.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, like
2: the local news came out. Uh Hazelwood School District V uh Um that was very famously when uh, newspaper high school newspapers basically were said to not have the same rights as like if you were an adult running a newspaper. Yeah. And it was not a form of public expression, so schools could uh in the end kind of censor what was going in these things
1: at least in like school curriculum.
2: Oh, I thought it was in the paper.
1: In the paper too, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant uh, in these things meaning libraries. Yeah. No, no, no. In the in school newspapers for sure, yeah. but it was extended into classroom curriculum too like that. Which was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Did you read that article about Texas? Yeah, let's get to that. You want to? Yeah. Okay, so um Texas has this um very controversial textbook review committee. That wields a lot of power because textbook or Texas is the biggest textbook buyer in the country. And so if you're a textbook manufacturer and one state is ordering most of your textbooks, you're just going to print one and send it to everybody.
2: Yeah, it's basically Texas and California are the two states that wield the most power because... They spend the most dough because they have the most school age kids basically. Right,
1: exactly. So they basically say what Texas decides goes in their textbooks goes in the textbooks for a lot of other states as well, not just Texas, right?
2: Yeah, I looked at the expense of a textbook and I think, uh, one of the manufacturers said something like several million dollars can go into a, like a major biology textbook. Oh, I'll bet. Because of like the illustrations and everything that goes into it and they're like, we can't make one of these for Texas and one for other states. Right. It's just everyone's going to get Texas's version of the truth.
1: Exactly. So Texas has this committee that is largely conservative that, um, starting in, I think, 2009, uh, basically held hearings on revisions that they wanted to see done to social studies curriculum.
2: These are elected people, too, by the way, which is important because apparently a lot of them can buy their way right on that list
1: okay so so, social studies you've got history sociology economics and um a lot of the stuff that they were adding in there were like um i guess kind of slanted everything toward a little more toward the idea that the uh, founders of the united states were christian um that the uh the they one of the things they wanted to get in there was not just martin luther king's nonviolent civil rights protests, but the Black Panther's violent civil rights protests were another one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you're a conservative, you, you're you like, well, OK, I, I agree with a lot of what these people are saying. The, the problem is, is what they were saying was that there's a liberal slant to academia and that they were taking it upon themselves to correct that by putting a conservative slant
2: yeah, one of the other amendments was uh, to cut Thomas Jefferson from a list of figures who uh, inspired revolutions of the late 18th century and 19th century, and they said, let's replace them with Thomas Aquinas and John Calvin instead. Yeah. Uh, another one, in economics, um, they wanted to add Milton Friedman and uh, Friedrich von Hayek, uh, champions of the free market economic theory, to the list of Economist study.
1: We talked about Milton Friedman in one where basically he used Chile as a laboratory for um, Reaganomics before Reagan was president. The trickle-down economics. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember that. Um, and then one of the ones that was shot down by a Democrat, uh, Mavis Knight, wanted to introduce an amendment requiring students study the reasons for the founding fathers protecting religious freedom uh, by not... Saying one religion is good above all else, and that was actually struck down. They said, You, you can't put that in this book.
1: Right. She was a Democrat who introduced it. Yeah. And it the Republicans, or sure. the conservatives said, No.
2: Well, they, you know, basically vote along party lines. So the vote was 10 to 4 or whatever it is. So it was a big deal. Um, 10 to 5.
1: It, like it had, it was one of those things that kind of went underreported and uh, underestimated. But there's a uh, really good documentary out there that came out, and I think. 2009, maybe? 2010, yeah. The Revisionaries? Yeah. Um, and I think it's up on Netflix streaming right now.
2: It is. Scott Thurman. Yeah. And uh, all I saw was a trailer, but it looked pretty good. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a big deal. It's not just like, oh, some people in Texas want to change some textbooks. It's like it has national implications.
1: Right. It's an info war, basically. And that's what book banning is based on in a lot of ways as well. It's like, if you can remove a different viewpoint uh especially when when it's being presented to kids right then you can keep uh, that viewpoint from taking from germinating in their in their emerging mind yeah or world view absolutely and so books like um Daddy's New Roommate gets banned yeah about a a boy whose dad has a new boyfriend now he's a divorced dad and his new roommate yeah. who moves in as gay yeah and um Sarah Palin herself asked for that to be removed from the Library when she was um, the mayor of Wasilla, Alaska. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And that guy came out and said, That woman is my mortal enemy. Really? <laughs> the author so did? That was his response.
2: And thanks for the press, is what he should have said, too. Yeah, it. I guess so. Uh, in the meantime, in Texas, um, uh, Mary Helen uh, Berlanga um, has tried repeatedly to get Latino figures um, included in textbooks as role models for the large Hispanic population in Texas. Right. And she's been repeatedly denied to the point where in 2010 she stomped out of a meeting saying they can't just pretend this is white America and that we don't exist. These aren't experts. These aren't historians. They're just rewriting history. So pretty hard words. Yeah. You want to hear some other challenged authors?
1: Let's, man. Cause there's, there's challenges all over the place apparently. Judy Bloom, of course.
2: Yeah. Uh, Robert Cormier or Cormier. Uh huh. Uh, did you ever read I am the cheese when you were growing up? Nope. Or the chocolate war?
1: I think I read that one.
2: Great books. Mm-hmm. Banned many times. J.K. Rowling. She is, uh, like I said, she is, I guess, of the devil because a lot of people have a problem with the Harry Potter books. Um, Catherine Patterson, Bridge to Terabithia. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen King, Maya Angelou. Can't have any of that.
1: Yeah, the Alabama State Textbook Committee said that, it, um, the, I know why the cage bird sings. Yeah. Encourages bitterness toward white people.
2: Uh, R.L. Stein, who is, uh, sort of like a Stephen King for kids. Yeah, goosebumps. Yeah. And, uh, I think I actually worked on one of his little TV shows, The Nightmare Room. Oh, yeah. Or was it Nightmare Room? I think so. Uh, yeah, back in the day. And John Steinbeck, of course.
1: Yeah, um, in 1989, Of Mice and Men was banned in Chattanooga because Steinbeck was well-known for his anti-business attitude. <laughs> um, and then Alvin Schwartz was number one, and he yeah. wrote one of my favorite sets of books, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, series. really? I never heard of those. Oh, man. They it's were scary th- with the most ghastly illustrations you've ever seen. They're awesome.
2: And are those banned just because they're scary and
1: ghoulish? I guess so. No, it's probably satanic, too. Gotcha. Gotcha. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you.
0: That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Um, so we were talking about how if if a book is challenged um, – it's probably if it gets to the Supreme Court, Supreme Court is probably going to rule in favor of the librarian who said no. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not the case with obscenity, like obscene literature, like it is specifically excluded in U.S. case law from First Amendment protection. Yeah. And that's kind of emerged over the years, um, starting in uh, 1873. Uh, with the Comstock laws. Mm -hmm. It basically said, like, you can't sell obscene literature in uh, interstate commerce, right? Right. And then people were like, okay, well, then we we won't, or don't enforce it, or whatever. And it just kind of went went enforced or unchallenged for, like, three quarters of a century. And then in the 50s, you had um, Roth versus the uh, United States, where all of a sudden we're like, wait, we need to start explaining what obscenity is because you can't just say it's just whatever. Right. That's what they started as though like in the 50s they basically said uh, uh, obscenity pornography basically is what that means. Um has utterly or is utterly without um social value. That was a big quote. So that basically was a, a mark against anybody who's pro obscenity, right? Right. And then in the seventies, there was one called Miller versus California. And this guy basically sent out a mass mailer chuck of an advertisement for his adult magazines. Oh, yeah. So everybody got them. Right. Old people, kids, housewives, businessmen, everybody went to their mail that day, opened it up and like, there's like basically obscene advertising. Right. And so California arrested the guy and it went to trial. And the Supreme Court said, okay, um, yes, obscenity is not pr- protected, but we need to say what obscenity is. And they came up with this three point test called the Miller test. Yeah. Which is, uh, it has that one prong you were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, the
2: third one is no, no artistic merit, basically, uh, literary, political, or scientific value, which is probably the terms that they nailed this guy for. Yeah. You know? If it was just a flyer of like pornographic ads, right? He couldn't really say, "No, this is literature."
1: Right? Like, check these out.
2: Um, the other two were uh, involve uh, patently offensive sexual conducts or appeal to prurient interest when taken as a whole.
1: There it is. That's what connected asexuality. Puri- oh, okay. Prurient. Was that it? Yeah. Um, but the big point with those, Chuck, is that um, the the prurient interest is local. So basically, like, if everybody in your town. Would be offended by this? Yeah. Then that's the local judgment. That's for that standard. But then the scientific, artistic, literary standard is national. Right. So like, if your town thinks it's science, but your town doesn't know what it's talking about, that's not a standard. Right. Right. So that's obscenity. <laughs> that's obscenity. But the good thing is, is like, if you are trying to um, ban something as obscene. The burden of proof is on you to prove these three, this thing passes all three points of the Miller test. That
2: is true, and that's a tough tough burden to get passed in a court. It
1: is tough.
2: I'm surprised that more uh, book-banning fans aren't trying to infiltrate the library community. You know what I'm saying?
1: I think they do constantly. Like, oh, you mean like librarians. become librarians? Yeah, I don't
2: know. I mean, if that's where
1: the power is. I think the librarians like really um, like the the library industry. It's yeah, it's very powerful. And like, if they find out that you're you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, they'll kill you. Boy, have you ever talked to librarians? Chris Paulette here is a librarian. They're really
2: passionate, passionate people. It's it's, a, it's almost like a public service in a way. Yeah, because I'm sure they don't make a lot of dough, and they just all really believe in knowledge and
1: protecting protecting freedoms. To it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Go librarians. Yeah, go give your local librarian a pat on the back today. (laughs) Yeah, give them a hug. Ask them
2: first and then give them a hug. And if they say no, don't give them a hug. Right. Just shake their hand and politely
1: nod. Yeah. Maybe a curtsy. And um, that's great, Chuck. Yeah. I like the curtsy. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about banned books, we suggest you go to the ALA site. Uh, It's, uh, I believe, ALA.com. And then you can also write in banned books in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And it's going to bring up this uh, really great article. And I said search bar, which means finally it's time for listener mail. Josh, I'm
2: going to call this Disco Fever from uh, Diane in Kentucky. Okay. Uh, hey guys, your disco episode brought back fond memories for me. In the summer of 1978, I was in my early 20s and have just made it from the sticks to the big city, New York City.
1: Oh, it's a big city.
2: I had very little money, the city's infrastructure was crumbling. And this is kind of what we pointed out, you know, yeah. the bad economy. Uh, and I was separated from my boyfriend by a continent, uh, a bigger obstacle in those days before cell phones and the internet and reasonable airfares. Like, that was back when a long-distance relationship was, like, serious, you yeah. know? Um, remember those days, like, is it long distance? Like, don't talk too long, it's long distance. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's like, what?
1: Yeah, I forgot about that. Or um 10 10 or whatever? Oh,
2: like certain times of day were cheaper or something?
1: No, there's like a, a number you could dial. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like real cheap long distance stuff. Yeah, I remember that. 10 10 I think is what it
2: was. Uh, I was questioning the decisions I had made in my life and it was pretty much uh, a struggle for me, but I had disco. I would go with a guy friend to a place on 3rd Avenue that was more or less the equivalent of an Applebee's with disco music and a dance floor, complete with disco ball. It certainly wasn't what you would call a discotheque or a cool place... <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, but she was broke, and uh, we could order the cheapest thing on the menu and spend the whole night dancing. Uh, I was completely oblivious to any social or uh, cultural implications of the music, but just knew that it was cheap entertainment and so much fun. Yes, the lyrics were silly, and the beat was rather unimaginative, but coming off the era of Vietnam, Watergate, and a plethora of social upheavals, that was the great part of the appeal. Uh, Dancing to disco and laughing at the lyrics was play. Uh, It was easy to learn the moves, and much for her, not for me, uh, and much more fun than the mindless dancing, um, which attended rock music, which I like to listen to, but let's face it, dancing uh, to rock music is pretty boring pretty fast. Uh, I don't know if uh, I thought it was the best disco song, but one of the most fun and exhilarating and inanely silly for me was Donna Summer's MacArthur Park. Still brings a smile to my face just thinking about it.
1: See, I didn't know Donna Summers did MacArthur Park. They had to listen to that.
2: And that was uh, Diane Rowley in Louisville, Kentucky. Huh. So glad we could bring back some good memories here for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, thanks a lot, Diane. That's awesome. Cool. And we heard from a lot of people who are like, guys, you're saying that um, if I hate disco, it's because I'm homophobic. Don't be stupid. No, we didn't say that specifically. We said, if you hate disco outright with a burning passion, but for no real reason, but you can't really tell why it's getting to you like this. Maybe it's time to step back and examine it. True. We also said that there's plenty of room for people who just don't like disco, just don't like yeah. the music. And it doesn't mean you're homophobic. So of lighten up and listen more clearly. <laughs> um, if you want to get in touch with me and Chuck, you can twi- tweet to us. Tweet. Um, to SYSK podcast. You can also join us on Facebook.com slash WSnow. You can also read us the Riot Act via, uh, via email uh, at StuffPodcast at Discovery.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
2: In Puerto Rico,
0: you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.